0: You know the beat. Fellas. You know those drums. You know those claps. Are you ready? You know those ad libs. Let's dance. Those lyrics.
1: Mm hmm.
0: But you might not know this voice.
1: I know you like me. The
0: original singer of Don't Shut.
1: That do.
0: is today's guest, Tori Alamaze, recording artist, singer, ever, makeup artist, author, and so much more. Today, we talk about what many people might not know, and some who have their own take on this, is the Pussycat Dolls 2005 song, Don't You, was a cover. And I say it was more than just a cover. It was almost a duplicate, based on my ears, my story, and quotes from lead singer of Pussycat Dolls, Nicole Scherzinger's own words. So today, we talk to Tori Alamaze about Don't You, the drama behind it. And where she stands and where she is going. And also, I'll be deep diving into the Will I Am Britney Spears track Scream and Shout as we talk about that messy situation. So I want you all to sit back, relax as I present you with the original doll, Britney Spears, with James Rodriguez. I want to welcome you. This is The Original Doll with James Rodriguez. I chat with songwriters, producers, and more and go behind the packaging of pop music. So take a moment to follow me on Instagram, the.original.doll, or visit www.theoriginaldoll.com. I also have a Patreon where I, ex- where I exclusively share some content, patreon.com slash doll. For those who want to know what Patreon is, it's just a monthly subscription-based service where you can, you know, give a dollar or two to keep this podcast up and going. As you know, I've been getting more and more singers, more and more music. We need servers. We need the websites up and running. So any bit of help is truly appreciated. So thank you to all the Patreon supporters out there. Rochelle, we have Rachel, Tommy, Tyler, Tiki, Brittany, Autumn, uh, Sam, Lindsay, so, so many people. So thank you all so much. Um, and I'll be giving shout-outs to uh, the rest of the Patreons over uh, this episode and over the next few episodes. Um, and as with every episode, for those first-time listeners, I want to let you know I created an Apple Music playlist and a link to where you can buy the physical copies of the music that I talk about if they are still in print. So be sure to follow on Instagram so that you can check out those links. Um, tell people about the original doll. Uh, and just sit back, relax, and enjoy. Uh, today's guest, Tori Alamaze, has quite a story. Um, her life has been crazy and unique and special, and it's phenomenal. So don't want to talk too much, but I want to let you know uh, she really opens up, and I think we do a great job with clarifying and and cleaning up all the misinformation surrounding the drama about how the song left Tori Alamaze and went to the Pussycat Dolls and sort of thing entails. And like I said, most people say, wait, Don't Show was a cover? And yes, you could say it generically like that. But when you listen to the song, it's pretty much, in my opinion, copied verbatim. Ad-libs, everything, sounds. And Nicole Scherzinger was quoted as saying she used Tori Alamaze as vocal reference for the whole track. So we're going to talk about... Why CeeLo Green, uh, who helped develop Tori early on, uh, has talked about saying, you know, Tori might not have been the "quote unquote" don't you girl. We go into all that uh, and more, and have honest conversations. And I also, uh, in this episode, deep dive into "Scream and Shout," the Britney Spears mega hit uh, that she was featured on with "Will I Am." It has a really interesting story, and I think many people do not realize uh, the drama and the legal drama just ended with that song uh, a little bit over a year and a half ago so enjoy uh and here's a little bit more of tori alabaze singing don't ya. and
1: i know you want it i know you want it it's easy.
0: I wanted to thank you for spending time talking to me and the original doll about everything that you've done so far, because you hit so many different facets of the entertainment industry. And here, knowing about Don'tcha from 2004, 2005, all the way until now, it's like you just released Park Car. To me, it's one of those songs that that I'm not getting tired of. Because it's got that chill, vibey factor that I really like and that I've been missing in in summer songs. And songs have this soul. So I feel like for me as a listener in music, I feel like it's been missing a lot lately. So you're giving me and my soul some things to look forward to. So thank you for that.
1: Thank you. That's so sweet. Thank you.
0: And I'm excited to chat with you.
1: I'm excited to chat with you.
0: (laughs) So let's go back. Okay. Okay. So the beginning of your career, what was your first step into the entertainment industry in any fashion?
1: It was doing makeup. It literally, well, professionally makeup. I had been singing like I was doing. I did like fashion shows, like modeling. Mm-hmm. I'd done, you know, singing at fashion shows. I remember opening for like Kevin Campbell.
0: Campbell, like, and, awesome. Yeah,
1: and like, it was, it's so, yeah, it was in Atlanta somewhere in Camp Creek. And so that was kind of like the first, uh, really just me experimenting with sound and, mm-hmm. and, and, oh, you know, that was the first time I, I did stuff like that, dressing backstage, getting ready to perform in front of people during that time awesome. with Kevin, Kevin Campbell. Mm-hmm. It was so informal. Um, but my first professional move was as a makeup artist, um, when I first went on tour with Escape,
0: just kicking it, <laughs> just kicking it,
1: and I was hired as at first it, I was told by their the drummer uh, had drummed with everyone, Janet Jackson, I, everybody, Stevie Wonder, just everybody, Little John. So they were looking for a wardrobe girl. I don't do wardrobe at the time. I was really jumping into my makeup artist career, but. I thought it would be a fine opportunity. I had never toured before. I'm 20 years old, and so I said I'll do it. So he, get, he told me to get in touch with their road manager. I did. I got hired. So I had to quickly observe and figure out how to do this wardrobe thing. These girls on stage, backstage, how to be prepared, how, everything, laundry, going from city to city, making sure we get everything. So I just paid attention, observed everything. But then what I did was mid tour, I brought my makeup kit. And I said to Candy, um, can I just do y'all's makeup? They, they didn't have a budget for wardrobe and makeup. So they kind of mm-hmm. did their own makeup. You know, so I said, "Can I, can I do y'all's makeup? And at first they were like, apprehensive, right? And so I did one person, I think it was Candy. And then the other girls was like, okay, and so I did the rest of the tour doing the makeup. I wasn't getting paid for it, but I was happy to do it. So I was doing the makeup and I was getting paid for, to be the wardrobe person. So by the next national tour, I, they hired a wardrobe person and they hired me to do the makeup. So that was my first intro into not manipulating circumstances, but realizing I can create an environment that serves my purpose. And the way I, I got in was, I don't do this, but I'm gonna figure out what needs to be done. Thank God my mother already taught me or instilled being professional. So I just kind of faked it a lot. And um, I, I introduced, I initiated my talent as a makeup artist and ended up not only getting hired on the next tour, but many tours and many artists and many music videos after that I've worked with many artists. So um, I oh. always- Go ahead. And what I think is amazing is that
0: it's taking that opportunity, being proactive. Some people might not even think about Correct. it. They might be like, you know what? I'm just going to stay in my lane or something like that. But you didn't have a foot in the door because you didn't know somebody. You took the I opportunity did. that was I there. Did. And on top of that, you did it knowing that you weren't going to get paid. But in your mind, you're like,
1: this is, this is fun.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what I think is interesting is... <laughs> What I liked in the past year is makeup has become such a huge thing, hair in Hollywood, where people talk about this like very homogenous makeup artists where every single color of the Rainbow has the same makeup artists. And I forgot who it was, but they talked about that black women pay this like kind of tax because they have to bring their own hair. They have to do their own makeup because the trailer is not ready for them all skin colors are different. You've done theater. You learned that right away
1: and lighting. Yeah. And I had studied Kevin Aquan and, and Sam fine, like those legends, you know, I bought their books, you know, at the time, but they their books were like 25, 40, $40. And I'm, I'm, you know, 20, 18, 19, but I'm like, these are the masters. So I studied their books. I um, volunteered to meet photographers and I just really wanted to be this makeup artist and figure things out. Um, and so starting with a, a, a tour with Escape opened the door so much, not just that, I didn't even realize being around such phenomenal vocalists and being having access to hearing their rehearsals, hearing them warm, vocal warmups. Um, also with Destiny's Child, same thing, having access to working with them and Seeing Beyonce and Kelly do vocal warm ups right before stage, or how they get, you know, getting dressed and hair and the whole shebang backstage, I got to observe a lot of that front and center. And I'm just a fly on the wall. I'm hired and I don't have to say much other than what my work requires. And I didn't realize that I took all of that was a university for me who I was to become me paying attention. So I always tell people, pay attention. You don't have to say anything. Just look around and take it in the moment of now. This is present, take it in. Like I was around people and legends that I'm like, how did this happen? Mm -hmm. How, (laughs) How did I get here?
0: It's like a, it's a surreal moment. And I think, I think that shouldn't be lost in this is with the listeners is that you're with these performers at their most intimate preparing for these performances. It's such this intimate moment because you're a performer, you get this, you got to get your head in the game. You have a million things going, focus. Those aren't really the things that the the public gets to see at all. And so I think it was, it was Katy Perry when I think that she was going to be divorcing right before she went on stage and you just saw her isolated and just crying and she's like, these people still paid money. I have to turn that switch on.
1: Oh my God. You have no... Creatives are the most vulnerable, scared, yet we have to figure out a way to... I don't like the word compartmentalize, but we have to figure out a way to take a breath Um and choose something else that can take you to a higher state Mm -hmm. because life is life and we're human and things come at us all the time. So you can either, I mean, it happens to me, all uh, not all the time, but it's either you can just spiral out of control and go down that rabbit hole of despair, which would not, which would be valid. Or you can choose to take a deep breath, drink some water, have some tea, and be grateful for the moment of now and move forward as best you can. And just still be human. And I think that's
0: that's what's important because that's a skill set. That's something in every single industry it's you're in. A, it's,
1: it's something that should be in your tool bag.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's something that should be in your tool bag, whatever, like you're, you're correct. Whatever industry you're in, because the shit happens. <laughs>
0: Yep, it does. <laughs>
1: the shit happens. So we need things in our tool bag that can offer us an opportunity to breathe and move forward. That's it. That's it.
0: And I think what I like is that you're getting all of that experience and just, like, exposure, just being around. It's because over. when you're on tour, you're going place to city place. To city. What's...
1: Yeah. You have to be on time. You have to um, d- handle different personalities. At the time I was doing it, I was on big tours, like R. Kelly, uh, NSYNC, LL Cool J. Uh, at the time, Will Smith had, they had Tatiana Ali, you know, opening up some. But so these her. were major arenas and big tours. So you have to, and it wasn't a lot of women, particularly black women that was in, in that position where I'm walking around these arenas all cute and young, you know, and the men will try you because they do, you know, but still maintain your professionalism. And um, yeah, and not get caught up in, I mean, literally I, when I would tour with sing and we would do, you know, at the venues, you would have, you know, craft services and your meals. Britney Spears would be there in, in there all the time, you know, having a meal, but it wasn't like, oh my God, there's Britney Spears. Mm -hmm. oh oh my god that's justin in fact justin will come and sit down right next to you what are you eating what are you eating like it's so normal
0: (laughs) (laughs) and that's the cool things that like you're just a person they're a person when those people can i don't want to say check the ego at the door but ultimately that's the most generic where they just come and they're just like eating because the performance putting on a show is so collaborative it us take a village so let me ask you this with with regards to the makeup specifically this is something that the listeners of the original doll haven't really heard about is for makeup is there a point where you know like um a label steps in or a manager steps in and says we want this look but the artist is wanting the other look so ultimately like who has that say of what goes on because makeup is something that can be really drastic over the top or more subtle so I guess who who does the makeup artist listen to if there's two conflicting views saying we need this?
1: Great question. I, first, of all, it depends on it depends on what you're doing. Are you doing a video? Mm-hmm. If you're doing a video, you have what you call pre-production. So you, you have your pre-production meetings, and, and whatever the concept or treatment is for the video is what the makeup artist um, abides by. So whatever the concept is. And in the treatment, that's what you uh, do. You don't do what the, if the artist come is, comes in and say, I want to look like this. First of all, the artists wouldn't do that because they know that there's a treatment and they, they know that that is, um, a, you know, something that everyone will follow. So, but on tour, um, I think it's what the artists want. For example, I remember when I started to see Beyonce kind of shift to a kind of cleaner look. Um, and so I'm that's Beyonce, that's not, you know, um, in fact, she she picked Molly uh, Molly Roncall, I think that's her name. To she was trying she had a, a, a award show and her PR people was trying to find someone to do her makeup really quickly. And so when she met Molly for the first time, she loved how clean it was. And so ever since then, Molly has stayed on board. Like she she looks mm-hmm. clean unless there's time for like a certain visual whether it's a packaging, album cover, a scene, in a video. But we mostly see Beyonce in public with kind of a clean face. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that's that's probably, that's more than likely Beyonce. Nobody tells her how her face should look. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I think the artist is, um, especially if you're really an artist and creative, you can say, this is the look I'd like. For example think mm. about amy winehouse you wouldn't you wouldn't mm. go in there and say well the label doesn't want you to have your uh long you know your yeah. 60s elongated line you know that's her brand so she's going to always have her 60s you know thing happening so yeah so then
0: what advice do you have for you know people who want to get into the makeup industry game if you will if they want to become a makeup artist, what are some helpful things that you that you learned that you can kind of pass forward?
1: I would first say study, study the people whose who shoulders you get to stand on. Um, study the greats. Know at least three names in your industry um, because the worst part is being fortunate enough to be in a room of, of greats and legends and you have not a clue of, of whose shoulders you're standing on. I won't talk to you again. Like Mm -hmm. I won't, you know what I mean? Like it's so it's so disrespectful. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. so and I think a lot of times um, you know, this generation can get a little lost in that. Like Instagram and social media has kind of um, I think to some degree has made them feel like they because you have a couple of instagram pictures of makeup and you use filters that you're a professional makeup artist there's a lot of social etiquette that goes into it that's just as equally important like when you work on set you are understanding titles and chain of command like ad dp second ad you know understanding whose role is what and what it means um uh just having respect for the craft and then if you really want to do it just do start with your friends and start posting or doing tutorials or you know tagging the brands that you use why do you like this brand you know stuff like that
0: so then for you so there was the makeup artist thing what came next
1: uh while I was working I worked a lot with um LaFace records was in Atlanta which was huge for the city as far as music you had TLC and Tony Braxton and Outkast so I started getting hired for a lot of their videos and album covers and things like that Usher and uh, I would just sometimes I remember I was working with Pink and we were in the car together uh, and I was just singing and then people would say You're a really nice voice and Uh, I would, you know, sing a lot just because I sing. And then it was after several artists noticed it is when I decided to just kind of like, I like to sing, I think I have good style. Let me see, you know, I think I'm a pretty cool person. Let me see how this works. So I literally just started writing songs then with producer friends. And um, I think I got really lucky. Like, (laughs) I still, you know, I I, I pinched myself then, like, how did this happen? Like, I remember I had a fire at my house. I was dating very popular. <laughs> I I, I want to say program director, but <laughs> in, New, in New York. And uh, he offered for me to come out there to record a demo. I had never done that before. So I recorded a demo and didn't think anything about it. And then I ran into CeeLo and and he was singing one of the songs on the demo. And, oh, prior to that, I also toured with OutKast for that album they were I was to the
0: OutKast thing, yeah. There's
1: a lot of things I forget about. There's mm. lots of the stuff I forget about that people You've often lived. remind me. And I'm like, oh yeah, I did do that. So I sing background on OutKast, Speaker Box, The Love Below, and Love I also toured everywhere in the world with them as well. Um, but I also was working with CeeLo while I was doing this at the same time. It was kind of mm. like experimenting, playing. And uh, I had sang a little bit around town, but I wasn't like out there like as a vocalist. Most people knew me as a makeup artist. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I got with CeeLo and then we just started getting serious. Like it just kind of happened. And then I remember I recorded Don't You, just me and the producer. That was it my manager will sleep on the couch and Are you ready? we just, just knew like when I finished when I got out of the booth we knew I was like this is this is pretty big Like this is special I know you like me I know you like me I know you do I know you do that's why we never and i got signed <laughs> mm. <laughs> and, and i got signed i was like wow this is what i mean like signed big like mm-hmm. you know universal like that's awesome wow um universal motown and you know i'm originally born in detroit so i was like oh motown this is
0: <laughs> yeah
1: and so that's how that that's happened and mm. that was another level of that was my graduate program in music.
0: <laughs> well, I was going to say, it's like all this schooling and all these experiences. And the thing is, what I've liked in talking with songwriters is that like a lot of people don't realize that that pre-production of that or that production time or right before you launch an artist, it can really make or break that artist. It decides who that artist is going to be. And I think sometimes you have songs where they're like... I had three or four songs and none of them are good. We tried them all out, but sorry, just keep working. It's not good. And you with Don't Don'tcha, you just hear the song and you're like, this song is going somewhere.
1: There are some songs. I mean, I like a lot of songs that I write and record. And I have recorded songs that you probably would never, it would never hear the light of day. Um, but I have learned. Well, I've learned to kind of detach myself because I can be too married to them. And I've learned to like detach myself. But there's another song on the album called Can't Let You Go. And it's really, really special that you're going to hear when it comes out September 24th. champagne and mimosa, sitting with my friends, trying to focus on me now versus me a minute ago. Uh, yeah. Going round and around in circles, fighting with my heart and emotions. Why can't I walk away and let you go? And it feels nice. Um, and then there's another one called "Forever Done." that has like a, 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 a kind of a 60s love it vibe, mm-hmm. but the, the melody is very kind of like reggaeton, reggae-ish the way I'm singing it. And, and then my daughter is on it. She's six.
0: <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I love that idea.
1: My daughter's on it, yeah. Now it's over, goodbye.
0: So let me ask you this then, how did you, well, how did your, how did the way you approach this project after having that experience with Doncha, how did you approach this differently? How did you make sure that this is what, you know, Tori is and who mm-hmm. Tori is in 2020, 2021. Well, how did you keep that identity or even find that I- identity or reinvent? It's it?
1: reinventing. The artist mm-hmm. has to be able to reinvent themselves. Now, first of all, this opportunity came because again, some, the story I told you about Escape and how I brought my makeup, I initiated the conversation with certain executives in this industry, powerful executives. June 30th was the first conversation I had with a woman executive. And it really came out of me being very angry and frustrated about June is, uh, uh, and we're in June now, is Black Music Month.
0: Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. So
1: last year in 2020, there was a lot of initiatives imposed by Black male executives about fairness, quality, and justice for Black artists. And a lot of this were from Black male executives that I personally knew really didn't really give a shit. Mm. And I was angry and triggered by it. And it was also the hashtag Black music is pop music. I was like, Black music has been pop music. Mm -hmm. So I was triggered on several uh, layers. Then I had fans that were posting this was just happened to be at the same time posting don't you my version having conversations in rooms about me versus pussycat pussycat dolls all of this was happening at the same time now i remember listening to it a post to don't you and i was like damn that sounds really good like wow and so the, the the next two days i was just kind of in a state of like anger i was writing a lot because i was crying a lot and then really something just said to me after leaving the gym one day to call this person. Can I say her name? Yeah.
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: Sylvia Roone. Oh, nice. so something said to call Sylvia Roone, mm-hmm. And so I did and she'd answered. And this was June 30th last year. And she gave me a directive and that was to email a gentleman who is her friend and over legal affairs at Universal Music Group, he, who is also a high-end executive, mm-hmm. Mr. Jeffrey Austin. And you can Google all these people.
0: Oh yes, these are names that even I, even I know these names. <laughs> Jeffrey Austin,
1: and so I, um, I. Oh, and then the next day, I, uh, I I looked him up, and then I saw that another person was on some initiatives with him, co-chairing on some boards with him who also happened to be a friend of mine. And she also happens to be the president of Motown Records. Her name is Ethiopia Miriam. So I DM'd her, she sent me her number. Immediately we talked for over an hour. And by the time that was over the next day, Jeffrey hit me on Facebook and said, I know who you are and I'm looking forward to your email. So the next 24 hours I crafted the email of my life with very clear asks mm-hmm. that included links in my story and who I am and what was taken from me while I'm charting billboard mm-hmm. and what was given to some girls that don't look like me. Yep. And I, and I need you to, to fix this. I need you to clean this up. Gracefully, tactfully, I need you to clean this up. Thank you in advance.
0: Oof. <laughs> I, I don't think, it's just, I I don't know if I would have the that grace um, in me to, after knowing all this, because, and we're gonna talk more about that in a little bit, but I remember, hearing doncha and i'm in chicago i was hearing doncha whether it was on r&b hip-hop channels and this is this part is my story of it i remember mtv was playing it and then i was like wait what this other one sounds different
1: yeah
0: and that was not the version that i knew i knew your version and so i heard this other the pussycat dolls one and somebody who's not in the business like me i was like wait that's not the version that i know because the version i know I hear this specifically Mm. soulful voice. I hear this ad-lib. This, I don't hear that. And so I was just confused. And I remember, you know, Mm. thinking it's just bizarre to me. But the internet wasn't really like something (laughs) where you would... Mm -hmm. Exactly. So I'm just like, I remember. And what I wanted to talk about is me as a fan of the song, I was just so confused with... I was just legitimately confused as a listener is like, wait, this is not the version that I knew. What is this other version? And it's the same time. I don't understand this. So what was going on? I didn't on? either. I didn't get it.
1: It was the reason the reason why I'm so grateful for um, when I asked for something last 20 last year. Um it was I was just as confused as you were because I'm mid-touring. Mm. I'm touring. I'm working. No visuals, no, we're in the talks of video, but we haven't shot it yet. And so- it just
0: started, the song just picked up.
1: uh, It it was just weird for me to, cause I thought, okay, well, they can have the song. We have more, we got some more, some more hits. Mm
0: -hmm. Okay.
1: And then when that didn't happen, I just went, when I, it just was, was for me was, I have to start over. And nobody knows who I am. Mm-hmm. Even though I've sold out shows, they only see me when I when they see me perform, nobody knows who I am. And but my my name means more than my if I'm walking down the street. Mm-hmm. And so I even remember one time I got a call from Randy Jackson. He called me at home and said, I heard your song at Prince Owls. Oh boy and you are dope and i want to meet you and so i already had shows in la and so we hooked up had lunch and after our our, uh interaction great interaction great conversation great wisdom he ended up speaking to a friend a director and got one of my songs in their film and for me that taught me that i mean it, it didn't change my life but one person really can change your life. But it also reminded me that there are people that are paying attention and they're watching and there's so much injustice in politics that go on in this industry that I am grateful, it didn't take the best for me.
0: Mm -hmm. And it it
1: takes that from a lot of people. It takes that from a lot of people. It takes your light, your joy, your faith. You know, it, it can it can take it from you if you're not careful and if you're not grounded and don't have a solid foundation. Because I was all of a sudden in, in, in groups and gossip, whatever it was, being compared to them as if this isn't enough. Mm-hmm. As if this wasn't enough. Like, you got to be skinny like them or you got to be sexy like them or you have to be And it just, and you know, for a period, I was just like, gosh, I feel good enough, but why is, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So it can, it can, if you're not careful or grounded, which I'm so grateful for, it can make you feel like you're not enough.
0: And that's something that I think, especially in the past year, I've mentioned to people before, because I love music that I would say like, would this have happened if, any situation like this, would this have happened if it was a, you know, a, a Caucasian Lady Gaga looking woman? If it was a Britney Spears looking woman, who I love, clearly. And the answer for me is no, because colorism plays a part. It's the whole thing, as somebody who's a lover of music, and this is all my own opinion on just all of this. And I've seen my family and everyone, and we have all different color spectrums. You could have the same amount of talent, but the melanin does play a part.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, even Matthew Knowles, who teaches, he had a class and say, how many big pop artists have you seen that are Mm dark-skinned? I can't name any. And Because I think he also mentioned
0: that he didn't think that Beyonce would have been as big as Beyonce is now had she been darker. And that was her dad and also her manager forever. She
1: was Black, right? Like, Mm -hmm. darker... than me, like dark, like my mother's complexion. Would she really have been a pop star? Mm-hmm. How come Kelly is not like? It's not same. Kelly's gorgeous. She's mm-hmm. a ten.
0: I wanted to hop in for a moment and talk about uh, this Matthew Knowles uh, conversation. A couple of years ago, he was on a Sirius XM show in which he was asked if his daughter's career, Beyonce was affected by her lighter skin. And that the effect might have been the opposite on Destiny's Child bandmate Kelly Rowland. Now, Matthew Knowles, as Tori Alamaze stated, was teaching a, a college class and they kind of did a study on colorism in music spanning for a little bit less than two decades and found out that overwhelmingly overwhelmingly light skinned black women fared better than dark skinned women especially a Top 40 radio. Now, when they talked about who, like, benefited from this, the study showed it was Beyonce, it was Mariah Carey, Alicia Keys, Nicki Minaj, uh, Rihanna, and, of course, Beyonce. Now, Matthew Knowles also talked about the fact that even with Whitney Houston, even Whitney Houston, that they really tried lightening her complexion with makeup, lighting, and things like that. Now, he was asked point blank if beyonce's career would have been affected by her being darker skinned and his quote was i think she would have had i think it would have affected her success and i use kelly Rowland as an example she's a great example but you know the great thing is kelly did exceptional outside of america especially in australia so that's something that i wanted to add in here that this has been a conversation that has been going on for quite some time that the lighter skinned women were perceived more um relatable to the pop masses, uh, which is absolutely ridiculous, but that's part of the the conversation people have had with Don't you. You know, you look at these women who took the song and what made them famous, it was their looks. Um and even in further discussions, you know, uh lead singer Nicole Scherzinger even stated, yeah, we basically used Tori Alamase's vocals as reference and kind of mimic that. So when you really listen to the original production with Tori and her vocals and ad-libs then you listen to the Pussycat Doll song there's really not much difference I mean of course Buster Rhymes is added in there but it makes you wonder what was giving them the big push to push this song more with the Pussycat Dolls than with Tori Alamaze Hopping off quickly to remind you to follow me on Instagram dot, dot original dot doll and also Patreon. Um, your Patreon helps keep this podcast going. So if you love the original doll, go ahead and join us on Patreon. Uh, a couple dollars a month helps keep us going. Uh, so go ahead and do that. There's also fun merch. Uh, and there's different levels on the Patreon. And one of them does, in fact, go and help the charities that we work with. So thank you all so much. Uh, those Patreon subscribers really, really, really appreciate you keeping this alive. Everyone else, please think about joining Patreon. Patreon.com slash TheOriginalDoll. Back to the show. Look
1: me. Shit. You ain't blind.
0: I remember years later learning more and more about the just situation, where I was like, "Because the thing is, for me as a consumer of music and as and as a lover of music, who I don't have any skim in this skin in this game, you know, I was just confused because if you took song A and you wanted to make a different version and change it up, sure. so be it, but it was just bizarre to take a song that was on the charts and this was mid, this was you know." It was still charting, and it was climbing up the charts. I knew the song, and I was confused as to why MTV's playing this other it's version like, too. I, I
1: disappeared. Like you could yes. have had two versions, really. Mm-hmm. But it was like we need her to be quiet. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I didn't get super vocal because I was still in a relationship with CeeLo creatively, and so mm-hmm. I didn't get um, super vocal or angry publicly.
0: So I wanted to hop out really quickly and point out, as most of you listeners are, uh, fans of music and charts and things like that. When we always see success, it's always great. You know, there was this whole th- discussion being said, like, oh, here's what happened. Tory's song didn't take off, so it took a while. And then the label was just like, hey, let's give the song to another group. They can do better with it. So many people and in discussions that I've seen online, they're like, oh, well, if the song was sitting around for well over a year and it wasn't charting well... Then, of course, it went to somebody else. So what I did was, I'm a Billboard um, chart subscription subscriber, if you will. And so I did a deep dive into it. Now, here's the thing. Tori Alamaze's version of Don't Should debuted mid-March 2005 at number 87. The following week, number 61. The following week, number 58. So you see a trend, right? So let's pop to April. Now, it was talked about that the Pussycat Dolls, you know, recorded this the first week in April. Now, just based on this, the song is still climbing up the charts. Okay, that's that's factually based, right? So it goes, you know, uh, the sixth week it was out is number 59, we're 53, then went back to 59. Now, here, the following week, lo and behold, the end of April, beginning of May, the Pussycat Dolls also starts charting on the R&B hip-hop songs at number 89, which means it actually debuted two spaces lower than Tori's just at the beginning of the previous month. So what happens? Then keep going down. Then all of a sudden, Tori Elamaze's version is number 72 after two months on the charts. Pussycat Dolls, number 65. Tori Elamaze's the next week, 69. Pussycat Dolls, 53. So the thing is, this whole discussion of, oh, you know, it was, it didn't chart at all and it was gone for a while, that's the the part that I'm clearing up, is many people said it wasn't on the charts for like a year, and that's when the Pussycat Dolls came out. This is based on actual receipts, if you will. Trey Alamaze's version of Don'tcha debuted mid-March. Mid-March, Okay. So it had like two weeks left for the end of March. Then within the third week, the Pussycat Dolls is already recording it while it's climbing up the charts. And at the time, you were physically buying CDs or you were waiting for radio play. You were doing these things. It was a slowly changing time. And the thing is, I looked at the rhythmic charts, which was another Billboard thing. Tori Alamaze's, you know, song, Don't Ya?, debuted in december like the week before christmas at number 38 okay top 40 then for the next for january for february for march for april it was still in the top 40 so over four months in and the song is on the rhythmic charts tori alamaze's version on the rhythmic charts the 17th week it was on number 39 now something to keep in mind with some of these charts if a song has been out for a while, there's a point where it becomes recurrent, which means that they say, "Uh, oh, you know what? It's been on the charts too long. It's slowly fading out. We drop it to this different level. And oftentimes songs just kind of disappear when they hit that mid mark. We'll go into that in a future episode when we talk about Billboard charts. But here's the thing. It was number 39, April 2005. Then Pussycat Dolls, May of 2005, was 38. Number 38. So this whole thought, this whole discussion of the song was not, the song came out for a week, disappeared for a year is not true. Based on this, the Pussycat Dolls version was charting at the same time that Tori Alamaze's was. So people, I'm a huge Pussycat Dolls fan, so it's no shade to them. And that's what Tori and I talked about. It's not about them. It's just a crappy situation. But I wanted to put to bed this notion that the song wasn't charting, didn't chart at all, disappeared. When the actual evidence from Billboard says Tori Alamaze in April was in the 50s, you know, climbing. Now, mind you, it was climbing from 87, 61, 58, 59, 53, that sort of thing. So it didn't go 87 and then drop out the charts. It was slowly increasing and decreasing. The Pussycat Dolls version came out. Like I said, they debuted at 89, while Tori's debuted at 87. So I just wanted to put that out there. And I think it's important because we all know Billboard and everything. But here's the thing. Let me put this back. Let me nail this to you. You know, whatever that analogy is. Tori Alamaze's song was charting. and was charting for a while. It disappeared when the Pussycat Dolls version was released. And there's charts in which they both were charting at the same time. So if I was universal, I'd be like, oh, this Pussycat Dull one, sure, that one's going better. So you know what? Let's stop servicing the other version to radio. Was that what happened? Don't know. But knowing how music works, it's pretty safe bet to say, uh, yeah, we'll we'll go with that. So, and we can throw allegedly this and that. It comes down to numbers. So back to the show. I'm done. I'm done talking about the numbers, but it was surprising to me that I found this information out. So back to the show.
1: Don't you was hot like me? Don't you wish your was a freak like me? You? Uh, um, I process by myself. But I also feel like that grace, there we go again, led me to um, this deal last year, last August 13th to be exact. Monty Lipman is the person who offered this and he's CEO of Republic Records. And one of the last things he said to me on our phone call, I wrote it down because I didn't want to forget. He said, he said, listen, I admire your tenacity and I really think this could be a movie because your, your tenacity and your grace is, I believe that was a part of the offer. Cause I didn't ask for a recording deal. I, I, I asked for three things. I asked for the re-release of Don't You"? I asked for my story to be documented properly. One of the third thing was raising awareness. Um, Having half of the proceeds go towards my cause, which is raising awareness and money for the numbers of women that's that's, uh, diagnosed with incompetent cervix. Um, There's a a very specific procedure called transabdominal cerclage, or for short, TAC, which is what I had. And you get this procedure before you get pregnant so that when you do get pregnant, you don't have any preterm births or uh, go into preterm um, labor, mm-hmm. which, which is what happened to me, which is how I carried three babies, one set of twins and one son and lost them all from preterm births. So having the TAC gave me the chance to have my miracle baby. And not just that had had a flawless pregnancy and delivery. I can I can walk around. I can move. I can be me and be cute and be pregnant and 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 not be on bed rest and not take shots and all the stuff that you'd have to do when you uh, when the body wants to re- reject what's inside. So it's important for me, particularly women of color, to not only because um, one in four women are diagnosed with. With incompetent cervix, wow. and so you can go into preterm, preterm labor, um, and so I was really fortunate to have this procedure done before I got pregnant. So I want to be able to offer that gift to another family who have gone through the devastation of having, like, delivering, like, giving birth to a child, and the child never takes a breath and in offering the opportunity of having giving them a check because you have to have this procedure done before and it costs a lot of money and raise you know giving them a check and, and having them have the opportunity to go full term in pregnancy and have a flawless, perfect divine birth. I have done my job.
0: Hopping back in here to talk about that. Um, as you heard, proceeds from Don'cha, the original Tori Alamaze version, uh, proceeds benefit this great cause. So, if you have that ability to purchase her version of it, go ahead and do it. Um, there will be links in uh, the, my Instagram stories, the dot original doll um, on Twitter. So much, so much stuff that we'll just put out there. But keep that in mind. This is one of those things where, as you all know, the listeners, the original doll is a philanthropic podcast. So we always love hearing about other creatives who are using their art to help causes and raise funds for these other people in need. So if you do have that $1.29, go ahead and download. Uh, you can purchase the download uh, through iTunes, any places that you can get your music. Download it to purchase. The $1.29, knowing half of the proceeds go to this amazing cause. I know
1: I'm on your mind. I know we've a good time. I'm your friend. I'm fun and I'm fine. I ain't lying
0: look at me she, you, ain't blind. She, you ain't blind so <laughs> i love that because you're taking this situation and fears you're, you're saying in you're the not alone you're not you're by not... yourself mm-hmm. you don't
1: have to feel shame um there there there, there are um they're just other ways and then and and there there are ways for you to be supported i think a lot of women feel alone i think when i started sharing my story more in a blog picked it up um they said to where we got so many women responding to your story um because to a lot to the average person the fact that i gave birth to three babies five months one six months the other they can't fathom how i i still show up shiny and bright and glittery and 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 I understand that, but, but, but I also let people understand that uh, that was a process for me. I had to uh, understand it in a big way to, to get through it. But I also knew that I was very strong physically in my body and that I could do this. And so I started to seek out the proper professionals, consultations, information so that I could have my baby. So it's really, really, really fortunate, really, really blessed. Um, My daughter is just, the connection is just out of this world. Thank you for listening to my mommy song. Arts
0: and being there for other people, being there for the community is important for every single person. You only benefit from being open to learning Mm -hmm. things, learning languages, learning different cultures you're able to interact with people in such a different way. I mean, it helps the hippocampus too. So you only benefit from all of these Man, I cannot,
1: I can't emphasize enough of, gosh, like you you said it, like being in, in your space and seeing, and just being observant has, has, is a superpower. It's a superpower period. Just having the ability to, not just be in your head wherever you are, but paying attention. And then when you pay attention to people, like you zoom in on people or a person, they remember that experience with you. That someone listened Mm -hmm. to what I had to say. Someone, you know, I, I don't mean to be phony, but we're all human beings and we die if we don't have, babies die if they don't have touch and connection when they first come into the world. So, as human beings, the connection, looking in a person's eyes, validating a person's feelings—the small—it's so small, but you never know what people are going through. And so, I've always had the gift of—at um, at least for me, it's important. For I want you to—I want you to be better and greater than who you were before you came into my space.
0: And what I love is that you're also. You're honoring the the hardships, or acknowledging the hardships. You're acknowledging them that that brought you here. I, you made you
1: remind me of something. What you just said, even before escape, I remember my very first kind of big makeup job was with Hype Williams. You know who and how his production people didn't call me. I got frozen. Yeah, his production people didn't call me. I was living in Atlanta. And I knew his Big Dog Films was in New York, you know, you can get access to it. And so I just took a trip to New York, my very first trip to New York. And in my 20s, 21 maybe, I took a trip to New York, um, stayed with a friend, and then I called Big Dog Films, the production. And I had some resume that I put together and a couple of pictures I put together. And I went to the production office. I said, I'm, "I'm introduced myself, showed them the resume." It was for a video for Adina Howard.
0: <laughs> it was a freak like me, Adina Howard, or round and round. And I got the
1: job, and I think I was getting paid like maybe 400 a day or something like that. I was so stoked! Like, yo, this is and it's what hype and I'm the high, I'm the key makeup girl. It was just, but I initiated that. That's when I, that was, those were my first lessons in, cause they didn't seek me out. I I called them and was treated like a queen. Like the, the AD on the megaphone was like, we need to make sure makeup takes a break and eat. And we need to, I was like, wow. You know, then I got to meet Adina. And then from <laughs> meeting Adina, I was hired to do more stuff with other people. And then you meet production, and production starts hiring you for more stuff. So I really think being observant and taking initiative worked for me.
0: Well, and also, and I think you brought up, I think you said it was your mom who taught you professionalism. People remember that
1: people. I wasn't e- even when the guys, the mm. artists, try to come at you. I was always mm. professional. I wasn't going to be laid up in somebody's hotel. You know, I was going to be on time. Um, gosh, the the professionalism that was a foundation my mom let, set for me. I'm observant because I don't. I'm I'm new to this world, so I'm paying attention to who's doing what director I'm paying attention mm-hmm. to even the language because there's a set language <laughs> you know I am paying attention to and so I ended up working with a lot of those people over the years everywhere in the world they've seen the people who watch me grow then they I'll perform in New York Then they'll come and see me perform so being observant and uh Just paying attention and taking initiative and being professional. I would say all the three things that is important.
0: Don't you popped up on an Apple Music uh, playlist. So when you said, oh, it was reissued, I was confused at the reissue from before because that's the one that people can buy. Is that the one that that proceeds benefit charity or?
1: Not, not the, 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 the one that's coming out is one that, um, will be on yeah. the magic blessings and bullshit volume one. And then not it's just that, that, that too. Awesome. It. Once it comes out, I get to also, especially for people who are interested, like yourself, I get to talk, or they get to compare the two. And then the whole story, cause I tell you, I, I shut down from always talking about don't you? Cause I felt like that is not the end of me. Like, I get to author my story and Mm -hmm. so this is the opportunity to author my story because I was just tired of talking about it why why are we talking about this there's so much more to me um so I'm excited about the other version of don't you because it is fun and it gives people the opportunity to share or talk about those two versions um and then of course people will throw in the pussycat doll version that's fine I have I do not disparage those women um I feel like um, my life has been absolutely blessed. I almost feel like I have been spared from some of the BS that comes from being a woman in the music industry. Who knows what could have mm-hmm. happened to me? Who knows what I would have done or what could have been done to me where the Pussycat Dolls have, have actually spoken out about things that have happened to them that are not really pretty. And I was scared from that trauma.
0: And that's the thing, because I wanted to ask you is, for the listeners, is with Don't You, I remember, I don't think it was B96, I forgot what it was, but when I heard your version, the version mm-hmm. that I knew, it was, I remember hearing as they had a spin, there was like an F-bomb, I was like, oh, wait, that's the explicit version of oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: that's the one.
0: That's caught me off guard. Yeah. Yeah. So let me ask you this though, when you record a song and if there's explicit language in there at the same session, do they go, okay, let's, we know we're going to hit it for radio. So let's go ahead and get an edited version. Cause that's something that I've wanted to know. Cause when you have, you ain't effing with Mm. me, but you might change it. You ain't messing with me for the radio. Now I do
1: it. Now I do it. And when I, when I, um, give the music it you know when I when I when I'm done with music I'll have clean or explicit um, but then it was just that's just I talk I curse you know most of my music so far because I'm halfway done with the project is clean yeah but not clean like corny yeah not clean corny in my head.
0: would you call this your proper debut you know with your well, proper debut album I
1: am I, I'm, I, it's sort of a hybrid deal meaning I am distributed through Um, but I have access to Monty at Republic. So there is no label person over me. I am the boss. Now that's not always cute because <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing a lot of the times. For example, I mean, it's not like her car is out there. May 14th was the release. Back, But I guess my ass was too late.
0: The whole time I'm just like listening to it. And I think that's the this is what makes great music, too, is when you can go. I like the vibe. I mm-hmm. like the tone. And it's the lyrics and it's the different mm-hmm. layers of the song like that onion layers. The whole time I'm just like picturing you like chilling smoking a cigarette, like pass me that mic, let let me go ahead and do that. Like Lauren Hill, like chill. And so it's so good. So how would you describe this EP? How would you describe it? Like you as Tory, how would you describe this? Magic Blessings
1: and bullshit has been something I've been saying really since July last year, like with my clients and my my mommy coaching clients. And I literally did a video in July last year, where I said, you know what? So I said, July was fuck it month. We're gonna be clear about what we want, our ask, and we're gonna ask what the fuck we want. I said this in July, before I had the deal, before I even asked for it. And so um, I called it magic blessings and bullshit, going through COVID, the quarantine. it was Because for me, it was a magical time or an opportunity to create some magic given the circumstances, the bullshit circumstances we're all in, right? And also, I felt like I was still blessed. Like, a lot of us are still blessed. We can eat. We know we're going to have another meal. We have a roof over our head. We're healthy. We have our family. So it was like magic, blessings, and bullshit. So I was already already saying this. And I was going to call my album Victorious with a play on Tori. And somebody said, it sounds like a gospel album, but I understand what you're doing. But it, you know, but it mm. sounds like a gospel album, but I understand, like, for me, it was like, how dare I ask for something? I get more than what I ask for. That shit is victorious, you know? And so she said, and then she saw one of my videos, she said, magic, and I spell magic G-I-C-K. That's another level. It's not just M-A-G-G-I-C. Magic is a whole nother level with the CK, right? And so I um, I felt that was appropriate, not just for me, but for lots of us around the world that's dealing with some magical moments that would have not had happened if we was not allowed to, force to sit still and be with ourselves. Um, we're blessed still. And then the bullshit hasn't gone anywhere, but we have better tools if we activate that and we know how to navigate through the bullshit. So it's just, and and it's dealing with all of those things at the same damn time, at the same damn time. And then Mm. you have to be aware enough in your mind that when the shit happened, you're not looping and you're not, your default isn't always devastation and drama. Mm-hmm. even though we you know what you feel is legitimate yeah but it doesn't have to be all the time absolutely let the default be let me go down. oh gosh i can't you know take a breather take a moment and you got this we got this We're in the moment, let's let's look at what we do have. Let's look at what we can create. Let's look how we can serve. Let's look how we can teach, how we can give.
0: For the don't show that's now available on streaming, for purchasing and download, do you as the you as the recording artist get royalties off of that? Correct.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: So I'm gonna tell everyone listening. And, and,
1: and even as old as it is, and as much as as much as, as it irritates me, um, it still brings attention. It's a part of my story, um, and it still brings attention um, to Tori Alimaze because I think my name just kind of got lost in the sauce until people start digging. And they're like, wait a minute, that's a black girl from Atlanta. Like, I, I like this. So I have nothing negative to say about the other girls. They were caught up in it as well, um, into label politics and um, and talented in their own ways. So I don't disparage any of those girls. I wish them well. Um, but I have to advocate for myself, and I and I had to mend my own broken heart because my heart was very broken, and it just felt weird be, moving in the world and hearing your song and nobody have a clue that that's you. Or you know what I mean? Like it's like that emoji with the mm-hmm. with the face, fire. you know, like nobody has a clue that that was you, and and then you don't want to talk about it because it's a little embarrassing. That's the honest truth. I still, I have a lot of gifts and talents that, that I delved into as an author as well, two books, um, but I'm a badass. Mm-hmm. I, I have a gift, um, yep. and I'm comfortable in my own skin.
0: Oh, I love that. Well, so Tori, thank you so Yay. much for chatting, and I'm going to chat with you soon. <laughs> You're
1: awesome. Thank you so much. You You're rock. such a bright light. I love your work. I love the cause. I love the charity. I love the love that you exude. Thank you so much, James. This has been beautiful.
0: Thank you. Thank you. And for the, the listeners, we will be back in one moment. You know, the rhythm, you know, the instruments, you know, that voice. Now you're going to hear the original singer and co-writer of this track that only recently received credit. Talisa. Many of you know that song, Will I Am Scream and Shout, featuring Britney Spears. It was huge globally. Uh, it gave Britney Spears a number one in the UK in almost a decade. Now, there was a crazy legal battle with this that lasted for almost half a decade, and it actually only got resolved in the past couple of years. We know the song is Scream and Shout, but it was initially called I Don't Give a Fuck. It was written and recorded by British singer and host Talisa. Now, Will I Am acknowledged yes talisa did in fact you know write the song she recorded it but that the producers of it these belgian brothers were like nope we don't want you to put it on your album female boss as a third single or anything so they pulled it from her and they gave the track to will i am now it was so far into Talisa's like marketing plan, like I said, it was going to be the third single from her album, so they had planned everything. A lot of things happened, meetings took place, money figured out what it's going to do. So Lazy J, the Belgian Brothers, they didn't want Talisa. so they're like, "Nope, we're taking it." And here's the thing, whether it was, because Will I am's a bigger name, we don't know. But what we do know is they took it, gave it to Will I am. Here's where it gets messy. So Talisa went to court and said, whoa, I co-wrote that song, but on everything you've put out, I'm not featured as a co-writer. I have no publishing. What is going on? I wrote on that song, the, the version that you kept. So what gives? So it would go back and forth years, legitimately years. What happened is the court ultimately, um, Had heard from Talisa, and the courts, after going through this, they said, Yep, you did in fact write this, so you will get co writing, you will get publishing. On top of it, the court said, We also realized that your vocals were left on for the final Britney Spears version of it. So, British singer Talisa's voice is in the chorus in which Britney's singing with a British accent. So the court, were they decided, well, first of all, we found out that you wrote the song, and they even left your vocals on the song. So in the chorus part, you can actually hear Talisa's voice. So after five, six years she ended up, Talisa herself, ended up getting royalties and publishing 10%. Now, because here's the thing, as a co-writer, she gets paid, you know, that publishing part of it. But since her vocals were left on the track, she also would receive, you know, um, compensation that way as well as a background vocalist. And this part is interesting because there is always a discussion of how much um, vocals from songwriters are left on a track it happens a lot in many songs you can hear the actual songwriter's voice but they're not featured uh somebody like julia michaels does like the opening part of sorry justin bieber or if you've heard about the bb REXA rihanna eminem thing where the high parts and monster well that's you know bb REXA. she talks about that and you can find these youtube videos so as the drama was unfolding by the end of 2012 in february of 2013 rapper eve had been on a talk show and said hey they she mentioned drops this bomb saying you know what on that scream and shout thing she's like i heard that might not even be britney spears so she alludes to the fact that the vocals on there might not be britney spears and that led a lot of people to going wait what's going on what's happening and while this is happening this court battle is happening with this british Singer, recording artist, whose vocals were left on, scream and shout, um and it was just all of this chaos and craziness. And it comes down to this: is Talisa co-wrote, you know, I don't give a fuck with those producers. She sang the song. We we all know that. They all know that. The fact that they wanted to keep her vocals in the track and then act as though her vocals aren't on there. Uh, and then to also act as though she didn't co write it is just p- p- crazy to me. Um, that they thought they could get away with the fact that she was in the studio, she recorded her version, and then when they pulled apart the actual final Will I Am version, they found, the court found that in fact, Talisa's vocals were still left on the track. Um, and how much of the track, this and that, that's for your ears to decide. Um, there are parts where you definitely are like us Britney fans, we know Britney's voice. So you could definitely hear Britney on parts of it. Um But it's just it's crazy to think that Talisa was working with these producers who were like, you know what, we're not giving you this, even though you worked on it. We're gonna keep your writing credit and then we're gonna keep your vocals on there, but not acknowledge you in any part of this. Um whether people want to say allegedly or not, that's all the information that came out. But Will I am did in fact state that the producers did not want Talisa to keep it, and so that's why they sent it to uh, Will I Am, and then Will I Am wanted it to be on hold. So this is one of those snapshot uh, kind of song episodes that I wanted to talk about, and the thing is, I'm going to play um, a filtered version of "Scream and Shout," so you can hear more of the um, the Britney or you know background vocals things like that, so you can hear it. And let me know um what you think do you hear Talisa's vocals like they officially acknowledge that her vocals were left on there um and like i said whatever capacity that it is how how much is on there that's that's up to your ears um i know what my ears hear but let's go ahead and play that. But before I do that, go ahead and follow me on Instagram, doll, And you can find me on Twitter at James Rodriguez, R-O-D-R-I-G-U-E-Z. Now, I wanted to update you actually with something. So uh, Talisa finally spoke out about it after the court rulings and everything. And her quote was, I don't have, I don't feel bad blood about it. At the end of the day, it's not a move I would have done. But look at the success that he's got out of it and I can't complain. I've got a number one hit in loads of countries around the world, so everyone wins." She then added, It's a shame it had to go that way, but chicken dinner, everyone's a winner. Uh, I have many episodes coming up. A lot of people are asking, Where are the new episodes? When is Red is the Color? And we're going through some Britney Spears, uh, Britney era songs, Uh, a lot of things. And we're going to be talking about some demos and pitches for Britney Spears that many people don't even know about. Um, which has been fun. So go ahead and uh, don't forget to subscribe to The Original Doll, uh, Britney Spears with James Rodriguez. Uh, Follow me, you know, add me on Patreon, patreon.com slash The Original Doll. So I'm going to go ahead, stop talking, let you go, and I will see you on the flip side. Take a listen, let me know what you think. Shoot me a message uh, if you hear um, Talisa's vocals on this. Talk to you soon. See you on the flip side.
1: I want to scream and shout and let it all out, and scream and shout and it out.